Tvameva mata ca pita tvameva, tvameva bandhu ca sakha tvameva, tvameva vidyadara vinam tvameva, tvameva sarvam mamadeva deva. I bow to the Infinite One in all His forms. I bow to Him in you, for you too are of one of His forms. I would like to read today on an interesting subject of the nature of a, a great master and of an avatar. This is from my new book, Conversations with Yogananda. I asked the master once during our days together at the desert a question that others must sometimes have asked, at least mentally. Sir, I said, were you Jesus Christ, that is to say, in another incarnation? What difference would it make, he replied indifferently. The ocean of spirit is the reality. If one wave or another one becomes aware of its oneness with the ocean, both have attained the same awareness. The issue is not how high the wave is. In that case, any tall wave might prove, in comparison to some other wave, to be the shorter or the taller. In the case of masters, however, it is the lowness of their wave of manifestation that determines their greatness in God. A little wave knows more than the high waves can that the goal, the perfection of which Jesus spoke, is to become one with the ocean of spirit. The master accepted, however, that outward differences do exist even among great masters. Those differences are not a question of their spiritual realization, but rather of the outward roles they've played. Comparisons in this world are inevitable. Some masters have important, that is to say, public roles to play. These, however, are mere outward considerations. They have no bearing on a master's true greatness which must be determined by his closeness to God. In the case of a true master, closeness to God means remoteness from the little ego. Perfect closeness to him is the same for all masters. A wave may be higher or lower than other waves, but where the criterion is the elimination of the wave altogether, there can be only oneness, there cannot be competition. Perfection lies in how fully merged a master's consciousness is in the infinite ocean. Two more questions that I have conversations that we had. One, are you an avatar, sir? I asked him once. It would take such a one, was his quiet reply, to bring a mission of this importance. During this last period of his life, he was very much withdrawn from outward consciousness. He hardly seemed to have even a personality. Truly, as he often told us, I killed Yogananda long ago. No one dwells in this temple now but God. To the monks during this late period of his life, he said, when I see that God wants me to be born again in another body to help others, and when I see that I am to reassume a personality, it seems at first a bit like donning an overcoat on a summer day. 
hot and a bit itchy, then he can conclude it casually. I get used to it. Now, this, these points are very important for us to understand that God's play is to finally help us to understand that there has been no play. All this is just time and space. They're all an illusion. Nothing is real. God dreams this universe and finally dissolves it back into him. Each one of us, however, has to be dissolved back into him in his own way. We have to wake up uh, in our own time by giving up our desires and by longing only for him. It's a wonderful play. Once you can look at it with non-attachment, but as long as there's attachment, then, of course, you see the terrors of it because there's so many things that the ego gets threatened by. And yet the soul can never be threatened. As the Bhagavad Gita states, that fire cannot burn it, swords cannot cut it, wind cannot dry it away. The soul is ever perfect. It cannot change. It is not born. It cannot die. The soul simply is. Because the soul is that little individualized spirit that has manifested itself out of many trillions, countless trillions of souls, and each one tries, like the illustration that I've used before of little slivers of glass, which the sun shines on and makes each one of them seem to have its own light. But of course, it's really only the sunlight. When that sliver of glass, let us assume it's conscious, finally realizes where its light comes from, then it seeks to merge back into that light. Well, the comparison breaks down a little bit at that point. But uh, the idea is that the play of this great cosmic show is for each person to finally realize that his ego is not what he's looking for. He's looking for his, his, his self. See, the soul is individualized spirit. The ego is the soul identified with the body. We don't need to kill the ego. We don't need to suppress the ego. What we need to do is transform that identification so that we no longer think we are the body. We no longer think of ourselves as separate from spirit, but we realize that our true self is that blazing sun which has illuminated all those little pieces of glass, that one sun of consciousness, of conscious bliss. This is who we really are. Now the whole drama of creation, which of course delusion makes us think is becoming successful, avoiding failure, finding uh, this situation or that person, that situation, making adventures, building big buildings, all the things that man has done to keep himself busy. I mentioned recently it's really just everything that man can do, the sum total is zero. It can't be anything else. You see, it's all canceled out. Every up has to be canceled by a down. Every wave has to be canceled by a trough. Every swing in one direction has to be canceled by a swing in the other direction. And so finally what we come to understand and what the soul comes to realize is that all the striving, all the longing, all the effort to succeed, to avoid failure and pain and suffering, all of these in the end 
Well, is it not a supreme irony to understand in the end that it was all quite literally for nothing? The sum has to be zero. Finally, we just have to cancel it all out. The real drama of creation is not, will I get that job or will I not get that job? Will I become a millionaire? Will I avoid poverty? Will I do this? Will I do that? None of that. The whole show is, who am I? I am a part of God. God became you. God is you. He's dreaming through you. And when you finally wake up and realize, oh, that's who I am, then you will have discovered your own reality. You'll have discovered the, the key to the plot of all these existences. And we need troubles, we need trials. Just think how boring a novel would be if somebody was born to wealth, got a good job because of his connections, married the boss's daughter, settled down in a wealthy suburb, had everything given to him in life, ended up being the president of the company and then dying. You would probably never finish the book. It would become too boring. But if that same boy is born into poverty and has to struggle and strain and with a great deal of effort gets a job, with a great deal of effort catches the boss's eye and rises in the company, with a great deal of good fortune and effort meets the boss's daughter and they fall in love and he finally ends up being the president. It's a success story in that case and everybody says, oh great. Well, <coughs> so it is that this world lures us on making us think that we have to overcome all these obstacles in order to achieve this final success. There is no success. There was a very interesting article that came out years ago in America about a meeting of several very wealthy, very prominent, very important men. And I don't know what the meeting was about. I've forgotten that long ago. What was interesting about it was that every one of those people who was at the peak of his perfection ended up a poor man, a complete failure. Life is always like that. You could write it the other way around and have a meeting of beggars who somehow managed to rise to the top. Life is always up and down. But the truth of it is that ocean is always even. And when you finally discover who and what you are, see, the ego is what pushes the waves high. And you always think, oh, the higher the wave, the more important, the more successful. The masters show their success by the fact that they have decided and understood that the wave is not important. It's the ocean underneath the wave that gives it its reality. And so they withdraw their waves. All masters are equal. You cannot say this one is greater or that one is greater, except in a human way. As my Guruji said, some have more important roles to play, but that, in God's eyes, doesn't make them more important or less important. There's no such word as importance in God's eyes. We are all equally one with him. The only difference is that some know it and some don't. But what's an avatar then? Well, an avatar is one of those very rare people who, mind you, put yourself in, these, in this position as you will be sooner or later, whether you, well, I can't say whether you like it or not, you have to want it. But you may now think it's impossible. 
The time will come when you will have to attain that state simply because that is who you are. It can take a few billion years. Who cares? Well, you should care, but it doesn't much matter, really, because time doesn't exist. It will matter to you, because who wants to go on suffering? But it won't matter in the infinite. He just, he says, I will wait. If you ignore me now, I will wait. But when you reach that state, just think what a relief it is. Almost everybody who finally achieves freedom in God thinks, oh, thank God I've gone through all this struggle for God knows how long and endless incarnations. I don't want anything more to do with it. So almost all souls just merge back into God, blissfully aware of who they have always been, wanting to enjoy that for all eternity. A few people, having tasted that bliss, think, but what about those poor souls that have yet to understand this truth, to know who they are? And those very few souls come back. When a master, having achieved complete freedom from all karmas of the past, he becomes more than a jivan mukta, param mukta, siddha, when in that state of perfection, he decides to come back for the sake of others. He's a very rare soul indeed, but he is what is known as an avatar. Now the difference between an ascended master and an avatar is that an ascended master, well, he has to liberate others too. Otherwise, um, nobody can achieve freedom without helping others. Liberation, I once asked the great master this question, well then, are those also going to be as liberated as he? He said, no, it's really more like when a person becomes an emperor, all his family rise socially, and all of them are given a better position. And so, uh, but none of them are made the emperor. So a liberated soul helps others to become freed, but uh, it doesn't mean that they become liberated. There is possibly even uh, the state of freedom from reincarnation, this I cannot say, but it is a relative freedom. Nonetheless, when you become, uh, when you find one who has become an avatar, he can free any number of souls. Like when my guru met, uh, uh, well, he, he was taken by his mother as a baby to the great master Lahiri Mohashai. And Lahiri Mohashai said, your son will be a yogi and he will be a spiritual engine that will take many, carry many souls in his long train load to God. Well, this state uh, is not usual. Such was my guru. Now, whether he was Jesus Christ or not, it seems in the fitness of things, but he wouldn't answer, and so well, I'm not qualified to say. But all of those great souls are one in him. That's why he was very indifferent when he said that... Uh, what difference would it make? Just think of this wonderful show of gods. Just think of, of the incredible number of lives and planets and galaxies all somehow playing a part in the great drama of working to achieve ultimate union with him. That's why this song, Well Done, Lord, I hope you enjoy it. Joy to you. India, there lived by the banks of a stream a hermit whose prayers chose applause for their theme. 
He gazed at the flowers and he smiled at the sound. Then he clapped with delight. Lord, he cried, Oh, well done. Well done, Lord, oh, very well done. The mountains that laugh with the gypsy clouds, the fields smile to welcome the sun. All nature sings praises aloud. The fields smile to welcome the sun. All nature sings praises aloud. The tree stands to show their elation. A day on God's earth has begun. And ever to heart in creation, in speechless wonder is bound. And ever to heart in creation, in speechless wonder is bound. Well done, Lord, oh, very well done. The joy that you've planted in children's hearts, the thrill known in bearing a son. The hope when a trial departs. The thrill known in bearing a son. The hope when a trial departs. The gladness of men in their neighbors. Of youth in its victories won. Our joys are the proof of your labors. How wonderful, Lord, are your Joys are the proof of your labors. How wonderful, Lord, are your eyes. Well done, Lord, oh, very well done. At last I discovered the mystic key. The world's joy, oh, secretive one, replies to your sweetness in me. The world's joy, oh, secretive one, replies to your sweetness in me. For here in my heart lies the answer, your love shedding light like the sun. All life seems to leap like a dancer, when gazing I see only thee. All life seems to leap like a dancer, when gazing I see only thee.